welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast where we talk about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. I'm Becky and I'm looking at Marie on the Zoom with a red wine. Yeah. And you're going to start being funny right away, right? Because yeah, I'm, I feel I'm like gonna, I have much in the way of funny I'm right gonna now. I'm going to bring on the, the hilarity. Okay. <laughs> yep. How are you doing today? I'm great. So I'm visiting my in-laws in Texas. And, oh, are you fearing anything about that right now? Well, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but my father-in-law has a great collection of wines. So it's amazing when I come out here, I can just have the run of the cellar, if you will. But the thing that scares me is when we have dinner, like a nice dinner, he'll pull out multiple bottles of wine. And if you're not careful, he'll pour a different wine on top of the wine you're drinking. Okay. And that offends you as a wine lover? Well, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, um, like a suicide. Remember those drinks when we were kids? Like you would yeah. mix all of your, your yeah. drinks at the, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you have two $70 bottles of wine, right. And you pour one on top of the other, it does not make it taste like a $140 bottle of wine. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. To I know. mean, you, you're basically making a trash can punch out of wine yeah so that's nice that he shares his expensive wine man I, I'm, I have an expensive bottle I'm keeping it to myself oh no I have to say he's very generous with the wine like that is nice a, when we arrived last night he was just like open anything you want and it's like very dangerous because I am aware of which bottles are nice and which bottles aren't but oh and you want to go for the top of the of course key. yeah but that's a tricky thing. Like, have you ever had, I don't know, have you ever, we we were at a friend's house at a party and they had this special bottle of champagne that they were saving for an anniversary. And one of yeah. our friends like popped it open. <laughs> Just went right for it. Oh Just went gosh. right for it. Yeah. So you're fearing mixing wine. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I was at a restaurant recently and a friend almost poured wine from a different bottle on top of my wine. So I've just... Just got to be sharp these days. My hand is ready to cover the top of the wine and be like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't bother me, but I don't drink expensive wine, especially not at home. Yeah, but I know you drink Chardonnay, okay? Mm -hmm. But if you had like one bottle of Chardonnay and a totally different bottle of Chardonnay, it wouldn't bother you to pour two Chardonnays on top of each other? Yeah, because I think if the, if the $11 and the $11 make a $22 bottle of wine. So yeah, I feel really, I feel really good about when I do that. Wouldn't that be funny if you opened up like one of your like yellowtail Chardonnays or whatever? Yellowtail. Your, <laughs> I forgot about yellowtail. Your barefoot bubbly $11 bottle of Chardonnay. And you poured something yeah and you poured something on top of it and it actually did taste better <laughs> that would be made it better yeah oh you know sometimes in desperation you gotta you gotta do that you're like i just discovered <laughs> that if you pour yellow tail on barefoot bubbly it turns into a 70 dollars bottle of chardonnay <laughs> that's your secret there folks we just gave you you ever hear about that guy in new york that was just a scam artist and he started getting into wine and he realized that all these wine snobs are like so hung up on different 
uh, labels and years. And, and he was noticing there's really not anything special about these wines. So he was buying cheap wines and mixing them together to try and recreate the flavor profile of these expensive wines and then soaking labels off of old bottles and selling people false bottles of wine. Really? He made millions of dollars. I'll find the name. Until somebody found him out, I guess. Yeah, there's a, there's a documentary. I'll look up the documentary and you can post it on our website, but it, it was really fascinating because some people got tricked into buying this one wine vintage that they thought was this amazing wine that was like, I don't know what they were paying millions of dollars for. And to this day, people who got tricked by it still refuse to believe that it's not the wine. Ooh, really? Yeah. So there's too much dissonance. People who, people who take on that like snobby world and then fuck with people, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I don't like think it's a good thing, but I find that really interesting. You know, like people have a really specific snobby rich person hobby and then they get taken because of it. I find that stuff really interesting. Yeah. Send me the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I think this guy actually sold one of the Koch brothers a bottle of wine that was supposed to be good. Fuck them. From Napoleon. (laughs) (laughs) From the Napoleon. And it was totally fake. (laughs) Of course. Well, what are you fearing today, Becky? I'm fearing I won't get this microphone right. Fuck. Wow. This is like the equivalent of, of you having like workout panties that are like crawling up your crack. (laughs) <laughs> seriously you know like oh, I have, that's, that's funny you say that because i have a i have really bad luck with workout underpants okay so ask me again what i'm fearing and hopefully i'll get it right this time all right becky what are you fearing today i am fearing food and drink based crimes Mm, like pouring mm. an expense something other wine yes. an expense, yeah. and here's what's funny is if you google food and wine-based crimes people come up with a crime like mixing two chardonnays you know that's a food crime you know mm. but i'm literally talking about crimes that either end up in lawsuits end up in people sick or dead or dying or long-term illnesses wow. where they were deliberately put in that position yeah yeah. Okay. So the other day we were talking about Subway. That's the episode. No one's peed on my window since I moved to the Valley. Right. So I go back and listen to that. But we talked about Subway where they reverse engineered a tuna sandwich and it's not tuna and it's not even fish and they won't reveal what it is. So and that's what made us think about talking about food-based crime. Yeah. But I started doing some digging on actual food-based crimes. And I'll tell you a short, really disgusting food-based crime that happened in Dallas about 15 years ago. There's a man whose name I can't pronounce, and I don't really care because he's a disgusting human. Uh, He was sentenced to five years in prison. Do you want to know what food-based crime? I'm guessing it wasn't mixing Chardonnays. (laughs) It wasn't mixing his Chardonnays and making a $22 Chardonnay. (laughs) He was sentenced to five years in prison for sprinkling his own dried feces on pastries at a grocery store in Dallas. Mm. Now, do you you want to know how we did it? (laughs) Um, here's one of the reasons why he went to prison not just because of what he did but because apparently when he was on trial for it because he pled not guilty when he was on trial for it in Dallas his lawyer said you're not going to testify but he's like no I will testify so he put himself on the stand and the district attorney walked him through how he did it and he was practically bragging about it 
So people there were like, this man not only shows no remorse, but he seems really proud of himself for it. When asked why he did it, his answer was the people at that store were mean to him and he thought he would just play a joke on them. And so people started figuring out these cupcakes or donuts or whatever tasted really, really awful. And nobody could figure out why. Well, then they pulled surveillance and they, they saw him doing it, that he would sneak around and do it. And he had his dried feces that he put in the microwave. <laughs> that he put in the microwave and grated with a cheese grater and put in baggies. Are you okay? I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, I thought, I thought it was gross because recently I had to do like a pre-colonoscopy test. Okay. It's like a pre-test. Okay. Okay. But the way it works now is you like shove your poop into a vial and then mail it. You mail your that, I've seen those commercials, right? Isn't there a commercial for that that thing that does those tests? Yeah. You... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you mail okay. your poop. Can you imagine <laughs> calling a messenger to take your poop somewhere? So at no point while you were doing that, were you thinking, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to hold on to this, dry it out, put it in the microwave, shred it through a cheese shredder, yeah. and yeah. then do something with it. And that's the thing. There was some left over, and I hate to waste, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're listening to this, driving to work, and you're thinking about eating a donut, uh, just maybe put the donut down for a second and forgive us for this. But he was a serial poop sprinkler. He had apparently also been caught at the Dallas Public Library downtown sprinkling his dried feces all over different shelves and books. And there's a detailed list of which, like, you know, which library shelf, like number A4, you know, level three or whatever, of them catching him doing this. Yes. Now, that to me means there's really something wrong with you, obviously you were poisoning people that you did not even know the customers were the ones who were eating this thing you know and that's a sickness in his brain right but i've got another story that is incredibly tragic that involves food and drink based crime and i'm going to tell this a little bit out of order because i want you to put yourself in the position of if you're investigating this case this is where you're beginning right well, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a medical investigator, you're a police investigator, and you go into this situation and here's what happens. And my source for this was a couple places, but the main one I'm using is a true crime author and blogger called Suzuki Nathy, and it's suzukisthoughts.com. And, and Suzuki writes very detailed minute by minute of what happened here. And I'm going to just go through it. So in September of 1978, there's a couple named Sandra and Dwayne Johnson, and they were at home with their two-year-old daughter, Sherry, and three-month-old son, Michael. Well, her sister and her sister's husband and their child, who was a baby, nine-month-old baby, Chad, come over, and they also eat and drink at the house. Well, not too long after, Sandy's husband, Dwayne, starts getting very, very ill, violently ill. Her daughter, Sherry, does as well. Well, her sister and her sister's family also start to get very, very ill, including the little baby Chad. And so over the next maybe 36 hours, they get sicker and sicker and sicker. Vomiting blood, blood coming out of their eyes, blood coming out of every orifice, including their skin, everything. It's just nobody can figure it out. Well, eventually 
Chad, his parents take him to the hospital, little Chad, and they cannot figure out what's wrong with this baby. He's deteriorating. He's turning yellow. He's turning green. He stops breathing. They try and do all these tests. There's nothing coming up. Same thing with Dwayne. Dwayne is deteriorating very, very quickly. And the little daughter, Sherry, is also getting very sick. So they all go to the hospital separately because they don't live in the same house. So then they call in all of the experts. Like they thought um, there was something in the food chain that had gone wrong. The water was poisoned. They, mm-hmm. you know, so they had all these emergency meetings and they checked the carpet. They checked the ducts. They thought something had gone in, in the air. There was a fungus. Nothing, 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 nothing. And they eventually figured out that everyone had eaten or drank something at Dwayne and Sandy's house that morning. So within a few days, little Chad, the little baby dies from this. And Dwayne, 24 or 25-year-old father of two, also dies. And then it's autopsies, right? Well, we got to figure out what happened. They didn't just die, you know, out of nowhere. There's no trace of any toxins. There's no trace of poisons. There's nothing. But when they cut them open for the autopsy, the thing that is so remarkable is that their livers of the little tiny baby who'd been perfectly healthy two days or three days before, and then Dwayne, this perfectly healthy construction worker, their livers were mangled beyond recognition diffusely yellowed badly scarred and showed early signs of necrosis isn't that something wow so none of the physicians had ever seen anything like that before never but one of the nurses who was a part of the investigation she examined the liver samples and recognized this particular damage of this horrific looking liver as a case similar to what she had studied before of a woman who was poisoned in germany with something called DMN, and I don't know how to pronounce it. I'll describe it because the name is really long. Dimethinus sunken lycanthin or something, you know, I don't know how to say it. So DMN is a toxin that interrupts the human body's ability to clot blood alongside causing devastating damage to the liver. Essentially what that does, it's a carcinogen. And in high doses, it gives you cancer that can kill you in days. So this was one of the first documented, maybe the only documented cases of murder by cancer but one of the issues with dmn and why it wasn't showing up is that within 48 hours of ingestion there's not even a trace of it left in your body so if you go back to they were at the house they all ate and drank the same thing and within 48 hours they were still alive but it had left their body so when they died within the next couple days nothing isn't that fucking terrifying yeah, so did they identify what food it was in or? Yeah, yeah, they did. So we got to go back a few years to a situation that had happened with Sandy, okay? Sandy is married to Dwayne who died and they have two children and Sherry is also very, very ill but does not die. So a few years before she had married Dwayne, she was dating this guy. And his last name is Harper, but that's my cat's name. So I'm not going to call him that. I'm going to call him by his first name. I think it's Michael, but I don't care. He's a piece of fucking garbage. So I don't care if I get his name wrong. Rusty Johnson. Let's call him Rusty Johnson. Rusty Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to anybody out there who's named Rusty Johnson. Um, (laughs) That's what I always say we name these people. I don't know if you remember that's the last time. Yes, I do. Yeah. I can't remember who we named them. So Sandy had this boyfriend a few years ago. And she had known him in high school, but didn't date him until he was in college. And this guy, Stephen, was very awkward. 
when he was a, a child had suffered a terrible accident slash prank with his friends where they were all playing with gasoline and he was set on fire. And so he almost died. He's burned all over his body and he has scars on his face. So he became very, very shy and he never had a girlfriend. And so after he was out of high school, he finds out Sandy is interested in dating him. And he's like all about it, of course, because he'd never even kissed a girl before. So they start this relationship and she's pressuring him for a commitment. She wants to get married. She wants to start a family, all these things. Well, he doesn't want to leave college to marry her and she wants him to, which you can argue whether or not that's rational. I don't know, but she really wants him to be all about her and he's not. So one night they get into a terrible argument and it turns physical and he chokes her. Okay. Okay. Well, Sandy's having none of that. So she leaves and she's like later days and never wants to talk to him again. Okay. Well, within a few months, she's met Dwayne. Dwayne, it turns out, is the love of her life. You know, is her future husband. She falls in love with him. They get married. Homeboy over here can't handle that. This, this cat, Rusty McSteven face, he can't handle that. Okay. He gets insanely unhinged, jealous, rages. He, he can't handle it. And even though he's the one who tried to choke her during an argument, right? No, he needs her back. So he starts to call her and pursue her. She doesn't want anything to do with him. Well, she gets married to Dwayne. And at one point, he comes to the house where she is with her husband, her mother, and her brother. He gets out of his truck with a shotgun, confronts Dwayne. He fires at Dwayne. Dwayne runs from him. He fires again. He comes towards the house firing, and the shotgun shots go into that window of the house and, and into her mother and her brother. Well, Sandy gets on the porch and confronts him, but he just can't bring himself to kill her. So he turns around and gets back in his truck and drives off. He was sentenced to five years in prison. He only serves one. He gets out and then uh, just starts stalking uh, Sandy and Dwayne. He's sitting outside their house. He's mailing them creepy drawings and threats. He calls their house and hangs up and does all this harassing stuff. And turns out, where on earth had Stephen gotten a job? First of all, his degree had to do with biology. And he got a job at a cancer institute in Nebraska. Okay. And when the police tracked him down and they searched his home, they found vials of this carcinogen and evidence that he had taken rats home from the lab where he worked so that he could conduct his own experiments on these rats. And this is not a substance that you could readily get if you didn't work in this laboratory. So that's probably why it confused the doctors, right? Because if it was like rat poison or antifreeze or something like that, that's something that is commonly known to, to poison people. Yes. Like the, and the it, would never, it would not have shown up on, um, on their talk screens and all that stuff during when they were hospitalized or after they died. It wouldn't have shown up. It was already gone out of their systems. And what this particular carcinogen does, it is a byproduct from rocket fuel, which already sounds, you know, really great to ingest. And it's got a faint, distinctive odor, but a really sweet taste. Something and like antifreeze. What, Kind of like antifreeze, yeah. Well, what he had done, he had broken into the home of the Johnsons and found lemonade in the fridge. And he poured vials of it into this lemonade. And so when he confessed, they couldn't get him to talk until they said, you killed a baby. Can you help us understand why you killed a baby? And I don't 
I don't know if he had any feelings at all, but he did not like the fact that he'd killed a baby. And so he started confessing to what he had done. And Steve-O over here, he didn't think that they would like die. He, he didn't know he'd put too much stuff in there. All he, wanted he just them thought to they do, would get really sick. All he wanted them to do was to get cancer over the next few years and suffer. That's what he said. Oh, he that's much better. Okay. I know. So, well, his plan worked in a way because the other family all suffered very, very, very terrible illnesses with irreparable damage done to their kidneys. And essentially he did give them cancer over the years. Now the youngest person who was very, very ill, other than little Chad who died, was Sherry. And she survived, but she had such permanent liver damage, she never recovered. And she died from liver failure at age 38. Chad's mother, Sally, suffered extensive liver damage and died from liver complications at age 57. And Bruce, the father of Chad, survived, but lost his job, his marriage, his house, uh, died homeless and jobless at age 37 from alcoholism and drug abuse. Wow. Now, the only person who didn't drink the lemonade was, in fact, Sandy. She didn't like lemonade. And this ex-boyfriend of hers apparently didn't know it or only wanted to give her husband cancer if he did know it. But on trial, his attorneys tried to accuse her of it, like that oh, she poisoned right. her entire family because she didn't drink the lemonade and she's the only one who didn't get sick. Right. And she has no motive. Or a way of getting this ridiculous carcinogen out of, I mean, where was she going to go and get this thing, you know? Right, right. Yeah, so it didn't work, obviously. And the, he was, he was of course, convicted and he was sentenced to the death penalty. But it became this thing where, of course, appeal, 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 appeal. And eventually he managed to take pills that he'd hoarded up in prison on death row. And he killed himself one night. He just went to sleep and never woke up. So Probably for the best. Yeah, I mean, nobody needs to just spend a bunch of money on that guy. So uh, it's one of the things that's so... Um, I don't use the word, I won't use the word crazy. No, it's one of the things that's so difficult for me to understand is poisons and taking the chance on harming people other than your target. I know that it, that's not the point here, but if you're mad at somebody and you, I understand revenge a little, you know, like you get really, really mad and you go after that person, but to do it in a way that goes after everyone else, other people that you don't even know, is, is so hard for me to understand. You know, when we talked a little bit about incels and the analysis on this Suzuki person's uh, blog was that this guy was essentially kind of an incel. Like he wasn't technically a virgin probably, but he was one of those guys who murdered people that didn't harm him because he was trying to get revenge on girls who wouldn't sleep with him. You know, so if, if this had been 30 years, 40 years later, he probably would be like one of those you know what those are right we've talked about that right before. yeah story. yeah that's the thing i guess you know is you want someone to suffer but it's kind of like it's gonna sound weird forgive me for this poisoning someone you don't live with is like the graffiti of attempted murder because <laughs> you 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 don't steal the thing and take it home and love it and live with it i understand stealing something but you just paint something that you don't even, that's not even in your house. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. you're not even a part of whatever the crime is you're committing. So this kid, Stephen or whatever, what it, he didn't even see the events that unfolded with the suffering he was inflicting. And he knew he wouldn't because he wanted them to go and have cancer for the next 
however many years he thought he would give them cancer. You know, that's the crime mentality that I, I, I really don't. There are two times in life, I think, where people are extremely vulnerable and it's very hard for them to fight back. One is when you're sleeping, right? You know, you just, you don't see it coming. But the second example is food. Like we have so much trust that when we go to a restaurant or we go into our fridge, we don't have like a, the King's tester to make sure it's not, (laughs) you know? I know. So we do grab things. And even to the extent, which we talked a little bit at the beginning about Subway, we have a lot of trust in companies too, that what they're putting in our food is something we would like to put in our body. And we don't always investigate what, what it is we're eating exactly. Yeah. I think there's a lot of assumption of, well, if it's on the market, then it's, I'm sure yeah. it's, you know, fine. Right. Right. People couldn't possibly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of trust in that. So, so in terms of, I, I kind of want to make the point that you're telling stories of individual people who are going after other people by poisoning them with food, but there is a larger picture here that companies are poisoning us with food too. And uh-huh. it's yeah. very, very similar to the lawsuit that happened against cigarette manufacturers. Cause there's a difference between going, okay, we know if you smoke a cigar or a cigarette on a regular basis, that it's going to lead to cancer. We know that if you consume large quantities of alcohol, there's different things. You're going to have health problems. What? <laughs> right. But, really? but your eyes are open on that. I mean, there's even, there's even like stuff on the packaging that says there's carcinogens and alcohol and whatnot. And there are some food manufacturers that are manufacturing their food to be addictive. And they they know their food causes cancer. So it works. I mean, I'm sure I'm for sure addicted to all the unhealthy food. Absolutely. If Starbucks food causes cancer, I'm in trouble for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have some exciting news for y'all listeners this is our first sponsor for our show and maria just sent you the site it's if you go to urbanowlco.com mm-hmm. and then one of the categories that they do on their home decor stuff if you scroll down you can click on true crime yeah let me uh let me go to that okay oh yeah all. this is cute i'm seeing There's... some some doormats <laughs> um probably watching true crime i like that that's cute i like the doormats that says Crime shows have taught me that unexpected visitors are sketchy. It's adorable. Just really yeah, cute that's stuff. Great. There's that's mugs great. and there's all kinds of things related to true crime podcasts. I mean, there's not a lot of good true crime products out there. A lot of them tend to be cheesy or offensive, you know? And and so this is really oh, that's cool. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, there's not the black <laughs> like, just, candle. <laughs> yeah. It's like true crime mugs. I see some cat stuff. I think I'm going to have to buy the, I hope you like cats doormat. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Adorable. Oh, they, so, have wine. Uh, they have wine stuff too. I know. And then there's one that says true crime glass of wine in bed by nine. Come on. That's us. Love that's it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I love it. Just, so the website again is urbanowlco.com. And here's the good news. Number one is there's free shipping. And number two is if you use our code, 
now fear this, uh, in the checkout, it's our coupon code, then you get 20% off what, what, of this adorable stuff. So we'll put this on our uh, show notes and on our website as well, but tr- check out urbanowlco.com and see this really cute stuff. And I'm so excited to share this with you because one of the things that I don't want to do is agree to a sponsor's stuff that I don't like. If I don't like the food or if I don't like the thing, I'm telling you it's adorable. So, all right, back to the show. All right. All right. What's, what's our next scary food story? Food-based crime story. Well, have you uh, watched a documentary that I've not watched? I think it's called Wild Wild West or something. No. Wild Wild West. Well, I've heard this story before. seen it on Forensic Files of the story I'm about to tell you. And then I clicked on this thing that said, oh, documentary series took over Netflix for a few months. And I was like, I've never even heard of it. I must have been sleeping at the time. But it is a cult out of Oregon in the 1980s. And it's one of the one of the few documented cases of attempted widespread mass bioterrorism. Now, fortunately, nobody died, but hundreds of people got very, very ill in this town in Oregon. This cult is a uh, Interesting because it's one of those cases where the, the leader demands money of you the way that that one that we just talked about. Nexium. Yeah, where, and then one of the things that the cult leader does is targets heiresses, like that guy from Nexium, who, and so he got, when he recruited the heiresses, then he got a lot of money. And so this Indian guru was, um, he had like, 50 Rolls Royces and had, you know, just, he had made himself a millionaire. And so they, he was kicked out of essentially, or ran from, fled India and ended up in Oregon in a small town or outside of kind of, I guess, unincorporated, um, outside of a relatively small town. And so for a while, the townspeople were like, well, they're just, they're doing that weird thing out there in the fields. But then he started building like a city. I mean, he had factories and hospitals and schools. So there are people on essentially the city council who were trying to stop this because we don't want this. These people are taking over our town and they're weird and they wanted to like be on the city council so that they could get the votes to be able to build their little city outside of this city. And so their plan was to make everyone in the town sick before the election so that nobody could vote and so that they would be the only people voting so that they could get on the city council. Now, I, I don't know if they wanted to kill everybody in the town and it didn't work, but what they did was in one morning in September of 84, there were duos who left this compound outside of this town and they traveled to restaurants. And when nobody was looking, they poured salmonella tainted liquid on items in the salad bar. That's so dangerous. Can you imagine? Oh, I mean, I'm terrified of buffets long before COVID, but but this this is incredible. I mean, I mean, I've had E. coli beyond what I would even my worst nightmares imagine. I watch kids sneeze on salads. You know, like buffets and salad bars have always been a big problem for me. Maybe it's because I saw this forensic file so many years ago. But <laughs> so they they put they poured it on the items in the salad bar. I think they even put it in the dressings and and just kind of sprinkled it around. And within hours, emergency rooms in the area were flooded. A total of 751 people were stricken with the salmonella poisoning. And it's still the largest bioterrorism attack in American history. And they just, I think they just didn't concentrate it enough. 
And so it was so spread out that people got sick but didn't die. So if they wanted people to die, then it, they were unsuccessful. But if you've ever had food poisoning, oh man, it's 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 a suffering like, it, oh yeah, I wouldn't wish it on people ever, no ever. But this this apparently this cult, the I don't even they called the Rajnishis. So they figured out that uh, they figured out who did it and what happened and all this, yeah. But eventually, of course, the cult out there just kind of died off of that that compound, you know. So to all the heiresses out there, if you feel compelled to just start giving all of your family fortune that you inherited to a, a guru of some kind, don't. That's the takeaway for today. Just don't or, do that, Or now fear this, the podcast is accepting heiress donations. And, uh, <laughs> join our cult. If you feel like joining join, some yeah. guru cult, Join uh, our fucking call. We'll, we're we'll both very we'll charismatic. Right? Yeah, we're very charismatic. <laughs> we're we're uh, benevolent. We will not poison you, or we, uh, we will not in- sex enslave you. We'll just yeah, just your ears. Life. We'll just we'll just poison your ears with our <laughs> droll cursing. <laughs> so since we're talking about this food-based poisoning. I was researching because I think I've told you before, I'm all about the all-inclusive vacations in Mexico, but yeah. I thought maybe I'll branch out and, and go to the Dominican Republic or to other places in the Caribbean. And then when I started researching it, because I always research to see what safety issues there might be. And yeah. in uh, Punta Conta and the Dominican Republic, there is a serial killer currently that is poisoning the mini bars. It's more than this now, but at least six American tourists have died within the last year. This article was from 2019. Three of the Americans, an engaged couple and a 41-year-old Pennsylvania woman died just days apart at two separate Baja principal resorts in the spring of 2018. And they died after taking drinks from the mini bar. Two deaths have been linked to a Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Punta Conta. A 45-year-old man reportedly died of heart attack and pulmonary edema while celebrating his wedding anniversary with his wife and their son. And a 67-year-old man died in April after drinking a scotch from the minibar. Prior to his death, the man reportedly became very ill and had blood in his uh, urine and stool. According to multiple reports families of the deceased tourists have said they were all healthy and relatively healthy prior to their uh, vacations and the tourists just died suddenly of either heart or respiratory failure pulmonary edema or a combination of both causes okay so they were drinking from the mini bar not the bar bar no no it was actually little mini bar drinks that caused the people to die and wow. these are just a few cases. Doesn't it seem pretty easy to figure out who's doing that? I mean, how many people have access to it? I don't know. You know what I mean? But, but there's there's many instances of, of people going to these all-inclusive resorts in the Dominican Republic, particular Putacanta, where they're just having something from the mini bar and then having respiratory failure or heart failure. And a lot of people are surmising that it's probably antifreeze getting put into the mini bar drinks. Oh, wow. 
But so far, wow. the FBI and the U.S. is involved, but so far, no one has discovered who it is that's doing it. Authorities are saying that all of these cases are consistent with poisoning. But again, it just goes back to how frightening, like sometimes when we talk about things that we fear, we're being a little tongue in cheek, but it is truly frightening. You go to a hotel room and you're like, you've got this all-inclusive mini bar and you're just going to have a little drink out of the mini bar and someone yeah. poured poison into it and there's no way you can protect yourself from this I don't think yeah and I hate to bring it back down to your trip to Mexico might not be the same again but 35 people died in Mexico a couple of years ago after drinking methanol where the country ended up having to ban sales in many towns of beer and liquor just so, so that they could trace the source of it but the ones that are a little different from that are the ones where there's tourists at these resorts and it's it's ones that are expensive and stuff and this is from the milwaukee journal sentinel so what city in mexico is this where this happened it's in cancun playa del carmen and uh, other towns along what they call the riviera maya cozumel cabos Puerto vallarta yeah riviera maya is where i normally stay and the main one was the Ibero star which I've stayed at a couple of those in and around Can the Cancun area, Barrett's Which is a very nice, uh, which is very nice. So many of the vacationers were drinking tequila shots, uh, mixed drinks, rum and Cokes and margaritas. A cocktail called the Purple Rain and a shot called the Mexican Flag were mentioned more than once, but vacationers didn't know the ingredients. A couple of people said they drank draft beer, but it says Mexico's government has long been aware of the alcohol problems in that country, but they haven't really been doing anything about it according to this person that they're talking to so they say the symptoms are very similar to day rate drugs you know ghb where you mm -hmm. pass out your memory of it and things but the problem is that when you pass out and you're in or near a pool or body of water you know yeah so uh on the riviera maya at the mm -hmm. hard rock hotel family named the connors their children were abby and austin and they only been there a few hours when the hotel bartender served her and her older brother tainted alcohol at the hotel pool abby died but her brother um survived that's terrible yeah oh yeah so the larger resorts i think more shenanigans go on because in the smaller resorts it's a little more buttoned down i mean if there's a serial killer that's not going to help you but <laughs> you travel all over the world this could happen in thailand this could happen yeah. anywhere really mexico dominican republic i mean obviously eliza lamb had some trouble at the cecil motel in los angeles and that's why i'm saying what's very scary about this is how vulnerable you are yeah yeah james and i got a coli poisoning from taco bell and oh, man, i'm so sorry oh and you know nothing tasted weird about it it, it just tasted normal. And then not long after we ate it, we just started puking and we just could not stop puking. And we actually ended up having to go to the emergency room and uh, it was just horrible. I mean, I don't think Taco Bell was trying to kill me. Um, no, no. So I can't imagine. Yeah, that's, it's just really scary for sure. Especially as women, we do our thing where, you know, don't leave your drink alone. But you, if it's handed to you from the bartender, then, right. you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has all been pretty dark. I know I teased last week that bread 
had a secret ingredient that was a little frightening. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear about that? I, I don't know. Do I? I mean, I think this goes to the like commercial products slowly poisoning us. You know how Americans are notorious for having all sorts of gastrointestinal problems. Part of it has got to be the spread thing. So this is from Vice. Most bread that you buy commercially has human hair in it to extend the shelf life of the bread and to also give it its fluffiness. So they don't put on the product labeling uh, human hair. Instead, if you see something on the back called L-cysteine, L-C-Y-S-T-E-I-N-I-E, it's an amino acid, but it's commonly synthesized from human hair. If you're lucky, it could be duck feathers or something like that, but... <laughs> you're lucky, it could be duck feathers. Right. <laughs> oh my God. So it says here, <laughs> let's see if I can find, it says, unless you're buying limited batch loaves from a local bakery, chances are you won't be able to be sure what's in it. If you're buying a loaf from a commercial producer, it probably contains human hair. You've heard that amino acids are the building block of life, but they are also used to create L-cysteine. For example, an amino acid is used to extend the shelf life of things like commercial factory-made bread, and it is most often synthesized from human hair, as well as duck feathers, cow horns, and pig bristles. The hairs are mostly gathered from the floors of hair salons in China. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. God. <laughs> they are mostly gathered from hair salons in China. So oh. just the article says, just think, when you're sweeping up the last bet bread comes from your toast, you bought from the store, you could have someone's ponytail in it. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. You're welcome. Surely that's not true at every grocery store. Like, I mean, it's not going to be like if you buy a loaf of bread that was made in the store, that it's not going to be in there. It's the commercial stuff, like the wonder. I mean, would they sell this stuff at, uh, at what's the good grocery store that is out there? In oh, Trader Joe's. You think that they sell that off the shelf at Trader Joe's? Absolutely. Right at Trader Joe's has human hair in it? Absolutely. It will have you look at the look. It ha, if it says it has L-cysteine in it, then it's got human hair in it. I don't want to look at the label. Well, then, look for that. then live in the dark. But this is what I'm <laughs> I do live in the dark. <laughs> I'm planning as soon as we're done with the show to go and start drinking wine and eating cheese. All right. So here's some more if you're if you're oh, interested. This oh, is good. The, from the Guardian, uh, 10 gross ingredients you didn't know were in food. Are you ready for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> there may be arsenic in your beer and rat hair in your chocolate. Now, I've heard a lot of this. There was a big movement a while back in health and fitness to eat brown rice. And do you know what brown rice is? I'll start with that. I guess I don't, but I thought I did. So you have so, to tell me now. Brown rice and white rice are the same thing. White rice is just when the hull has been taken off of the inside of the rice. So brown rice is like if you leave the outer shell on the rice. Okay. So what happens is if you leave the hull on, the outer hull absorbs a lot of arsenic from the soil. There's actually... Oh. So that's like a, like a banana. It's almost like, you know, a banana has its little uh -huh. protective sleeve. Uh -huh. So so that's- You're supposed to eat it. Yeah. yeah. So 
Traces of arsenic in food are nothing new. Uh, the potent human carcinogen has been known to turn up in everything from rice to juice, and most recently in beer. You want to opt for drinks that are unfiltered. But most people don't want to drink a cloudy Pinot Grigio after all. To filter the beer and wine, winemakers and beer makers use dichotomous earth, a natural product that contains iron and metals, hence arsenic. So we already talked about human hair being in stuff. Um, if you're eating vanilla, strawberry, or raspberry ice cream, you may just be eating beaver anal glands in urine secretions. Why would that be in vanilla ice cream? Do tell. Castoreum, which comes from the castor sacs of male and female beavers, is an FDA-approved food additive popular in ice cream. It's allowed oh. to be called a natural flavoring. Oh, God. So your ice cream probably has beaver anal glands in it. I'm feeling okay. I don't usually eat ice cream, so beaver anal gland free for now. <laughs> well, I just wonder why. I'm really like, feeling good about myself. <laughs> whenever I have ice cream, my stomach blows up like a beaver's anal gland, so maybe that's why. Like... <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> the beer you're drinking may actually have fish bladder in it. Guinness has it in there. Uh, many processed foods are known for including a long list of dyes that may be derived from coal tar, macaroni and cheese, for instance. Also don't like macaroni and cheese. All right, you're doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Name another food item. Here we go. Do you eat chicken McNuggets at McDonald's? No, I'm not an eight-year-old. Why would I eat a chicken McNugget? Chicken McNuggets from McDonald's aren't known for being the healthiest thing on the planet but they aren't really known for being chicken either. The nuggets are actually only about 50% actual chicken. The rest comprises synthetic ingredients, including, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce this, dimethylpolysylene, a chemical used in silicone breast implants. It's also found in Silly Putty. (laughs) That's in your chicken nuggets. Oh, Silly Putty and breast implants. Okay, okay. Oh my gosh. All right, now the rodent hair thing. I know that all products are allowed to have a little bit of bug and rodent in it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure stuff I make in my house has tons and tons of cat hair in it. I probably consume pounds of cat hair every year. Producing foods in an industrial facility is nothing like cooking at home. The big warehouses have, you know, bugs and rodents. FDA allows for rodent hair in various products, something they call an unavoidable defect. One rodent hair for every 100 grams of chocolate, 22 rodent hairs for every 100 grams of cinnamon, and five rodent hairs for every 18 jars of peanut butter. Because six would be too much. How did you come up with that number? (laughs) Well, look, I can tell you anybody that comes over to my house, there is going to be many, many grams of cat hair (laughs) per (laughs) serving of food. Walter is on the counter all the time. Like there's cat hair on everything. Anyway. Same here. There's a couple of other gross things. I'm sure there's many more if you want to research. Many, many more gross things in your food. I'm sure. I don't really want to do that research. (laughs) Like the ones that like food and drink based, you know, deliberate 
assaults and homicides is actually pretty common. I don't know why people choose poison as a solution to their problems. That's a weird bit. And again, like we were saying, people are vulnerable when they eat in so many different ways. And so I think that's what makes it such a heinous crime for individuals or for corporations to take advantage of people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the question is, how do you um, protect yourself? I mean, protecting yourself from a poisoning crime is similar, I think, to protecting yourself from any other crime. A lot of times you just don't have a lot of control over it. But we do have control over what we consume and we do need to be informed consumers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let us know, write us, uh, write us an email or let us know if you have had a food-based crime committed against you or oh, earlier today we would love I to, said to Curtis I go did you know that if you drink a certain carcinogen that it can give you cancer and you'll die in a few days by bleeding from every orifice and he goes is that a warning <laughs> and I had literally just made us some eggs and he's like <laughs> Anyway, I'm I'm trying to be super careful with food handling and following expiration dates and all that. I do too. I do too. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people say that those expiration dates are just a suggestion. You don't have to worry about it. I don't want to take a chance. I know they're just trying to get me to buy it again. But one time I got food poisoning from expired mayonnaise. You don't want to get food poisoning from expired mayonnaise. Why are you whispering? Are you afraid the mayonnaise police are coming? No, oh, my shoulder. Yeah. Um, trust me. Oh, oh, oh. So, did you ever watch Show Hoarders? Uh, I've seen some episodes, but I've kind of lived it in my life with family members. So, yeah, we watched it for a while, and then we sort of got creeped out by it because it was like we're kind of peering in through the window of the insane asylum. Mm-hmm. It felt really gross, but we watched it for a while because it was just fascinating to me that this existed. I mean, my grandmother did it, you know, but not to the extent where she's living with feces. You know what I mean? It's just things stacked to the ceiling. But one of the shows, a woman had a refrigerator that was full of expired food and like years and years old. And her son was trying to get her to throw everything away and she refused to do it. And it was like yogurt that was like years old. And he's like, look at this stuff. You can't eat this. And she's like, but it's not puffed up. That was her argument. The only reason you would know something is spoiled is if it's puffed up. I would have been like, so all right, right. Let's, uh, let's crack this baby open right now. and how- No, let's go get a spoon. I know, I know, I know, I know. But that's something that Curtis and I say to each other all the time about the expired food. Is it puffed up? It's not puffed up. <laughs> but no, I don't, I get, I get rid of the expired food, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And let's see, I guess we could talk about, you know, we didn't talk about, which we'll have to do sometime is not included today, but will be in the future. It was food and drink based crimes like date rape and ways that people are dealing with that prevention of that. So we can have a whole different show about that. Like I didn't talk about how like hot dogs kill so many people from choking. I don't know why people are choking on hot dogs so much, but hot dogs in particular, huh? Yeah. You know that thing where you throw a peanut up in the air and supposed to catch it with your mouth? I know somebody whose husband died from doing that, choked to death. Really? Straight into his lungs. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. I got to stop doing that. No, I don't do that at all. 
Man, you know, there's all the, oh my gosh, all these things. Like, you know, you're not supposed to eat cookie dough and uh, batter and all that. You, I know you eat that. You know, I do. Marie has some like extortion level pictures of me that might yeah. be brownie batter. <laughs> She's eating brownie batter like it's makes me uncomfortable to look at the photos, the expression <laughs> on her face. I'm like, she promised she would delete them. She promised. And, and she also has glasses on her face and glasses on her head in the pictures. <laughs> That's probably my sexiest look. That's my favorite look I've ever had. The, du- the, double, the double barrel uh, glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Very flattering. Very flattering. All right. Yes, yeah. So if there's ever a falling out between us... <laughs> those are going straight on the internet I will pay up to keep those hidden all right so here's what I would love for you to do besides going to our website is to go to urbanalco.com for adorable home decor related to wine and cats and puppies and true crime use the code now fear this for 20% off and go to our website fearthispodcast.com subscribe there for exclusive content that will change your life it is life-changing i feel it changing yours i feel it i have changed a bit don't you think because of the content <laughs> oh yeah just yeah. it's a high praise from marie when a website doesn't make her angry what is it you always say it doesn't bother you no, our website doesn't bother <laughs> marie so i'm very very proud of it <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so Be- becky and i have had many ups and downs about uh graphic design whether like or not it bothers marie's uh, <laughs> high praise becky yeah. uh, <laughs> i'm like very relaxed person you would agree with that right just generally yeah i'm kind of chill yeah but when it comes to graphic design stuff i'm very anal <laughs> <laughs> i'm a beaver anal gland <laughs> <laughs> is it beavers I think so, yeah. All right. I don't want to name this show Beaver Anal Glands. I'm going to figure out another name. All right. We'll see y'all next week where we will be talking about Airbnb and VRBO horror stories, right? Yes. Our own personal ones. And our own personal ones. All right. See y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.